They shoot the shit. They shoot, they shoot the shit. Shoot, 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 shit, shit, shit. Shooting the shit with Chippa. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Shooting the Shit with Chippa. As those of you who are fans of me know, it's one of a thousand different things that I do because apparently I'm bored, even though I have a wife and kids and a day job and everything else. But anyways... More on that later. Um, Before I get into my guests, I'd like to thank my $15 or more patrons. They are Mason, Christopher Finnick, Patricia Chipman, Hugh K. Campbell Jr., Alex Peregrine, Kevin C.V., Mike the Gatherer, Tyler Freshcorn, Mark Price, and Collaborating Online. And again, thank my newest patrons, Chantel Sorrentino and Kevin Michael Hink. And this podcast, as a lot of my podcasts are, are brought to you by the Geeks with Shields podcast. Each week, hosts Axel and Ulrich provide a nerdy escape from the darkest timeline, talking everything from comics to long-forgotten movies and TV shows. If the darkest timeline has you down, check out the Geeks with Shields podcast for all your nerdy needs. And with that, because nepotism is real where I come from, the Geeks with Shields are here tonight, my Shield brothers. Guys, reintroduce yourselves to people that probably hear you a bunch now. Hey, I'm Axel Wright, and no matter how many times I hear that, because we like to enjoy the company of Chris a lot, it still is surreal, and I, you know, I feel all warm and bubbly inside. <laughs> Ulrich, and I'm Lord Commander Ulrich. Oh, all right, and, and he feels some... nothing. <laughs> that's nope. okay. I, I, we've been we've been brothers a long time, and that's not news to me. So, so guys, I'm a soulless um... automaton. A Solas Automatons. Speaking of Solas Automatons, um, you guys, as you've been coming on a lot lately, um, are here to talk more about Warhammer because you've gotten me hooked and now I have to continue paying for the drugs. And, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, that's, uh, that's the thing. Warhammer is one of the, it's one of the richest, like, lores and it's this huge franchise that sprawls, like, books and games and the actual tabletop game and and i'm relatively new to it myself i've only been into it a few years but like i can't stop watching these vids and the fact that you're into it and actually let us come on to just talk to you about warhammer stuff is is one of the reasons to get up in the morning so oh i love it um so we all collectively because of your book club have just finished the first book in horus rising and um i just want to make sure hey if you're listening to this and you aren't a patron of geeks with shields get on over there for a buck you can hear all kinds of cool crap i'm on a lot of it and you can hear them talk about books warhammer books we just finished um horus rising and the next book false gods they're beginning and they'll be releasing content on that soon so get on over there it's awesome i mean what else are we supposed to do in quarantine you read (laughs) read and talk pretty much Yes. What are you doing in quarantine? Well, the same thing I was doing in high school. What's that? Reading tons of fantasy novels and playing on the internet. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, I'm not sure how we intend to start this, but for anyone who has kept up with uh, with Chris's episodes, we've talked, uh, let's see, we, we've talked about the, uh, the Adeptus Mechanicus, we've talked about... Um, Tyranids. Tyranids, right. <laughs> and we've done a general overview of the just universe. Okay. Yes, this this all started with me wanting a Warhammer 101, and that was long before I even started reading the book. And yeah, now I, I just, just and now I just need to know all of it. 
Yeah, I just I had to put it straight in my mind because we did like an episode recently with someone else about the Sisters of Battle, and it's like, okay, Ooh. who did we do what with who? So <laughs> yeah, the Sisters of Battle episode was good. I don't know much about it, but I really dug that episode. Yeah. So so today, since we we did the general overview. We did the Tetris Mechanicus, we did Tyranids. We're going back to the Imperium for probably, like, the second most important faction in the entire mythology, like, the entire lore. Depending on who you ask, this is either the most important or the second most. Yeah, yeah. Which is uh, the Imperial Guard. You mean the Astro Militarum. Correct. I was about to say, but I was I couldn't find it in my notes. Uh, which the Imperial Guard is simply put, on top of everything else, your regular standard army. I mean, it's a lot yep. more than that, but by relatively speaking to other things in Warhammer, that's what it is. So, I, yeah, I, I love I love strokes. I love looking at the pictures um, when it's something <laughs> I don't know. As soon as I start, so I can like hear you guys talk about it. And the thing I'm noticing immediately is that you know. It has a much more old-fashioned, like, square-jawed, like, you know, military-before-space kind of look to the characters. Yeah. Well, it, well, first very... of all, well, we got an important distinction here right off the bat, which is, so, the, the Imperial Guard, the Astra Militarum, right, is not the same thing as the Imperial Navy. Those right. are actually two separate concepts. So, the Imperial Guard is very specifically the boots-on-the-ground yeah. soldiers, which is why they have that that kind of look <laughs> well that it's also a fun counter to you know space marines and the adeptus mechanicus are so super crazy tech and the imperial guard are just like we still have bayonets and we're fighting giant fungus monsters this seems well, like a good idea it's also why aesthetically for the most part they they look very world war one e yes like in their design so it is meant to kind of evoke that particular kind of well aesthetic so it was very it was very jarring to see. Let me just tell you that, especially yep. everything we've already looked at. Because I'm like, wait a minute, where's the where's the like weird like robo organic skin people and the um, there's plenty and... of weird in here. Too. Uh, yeah, not not as much though. This is meant to be kind of. I was watching a, a few extra videos to like like really prep myself for this conversation. And one guy I was watching, uh, Bricky, who had this great like two hour video on just every race in 40k talked about how it the one of the great things about the imperial guard is that this is a, a world filled with you know crazy monstrous you know, mutants and aliens and demons and stuff and the imperial guard is vastly just dudes regular people men and women and just the there's a poetry in that just a regular person in what is pretty close to just modern day military gear going up against these horrors of the universe, you know? Exactly. Yeah, that's why most people like them. I mean, we'll circle back to the last gun because the last gun is not standard weaponry. That well, is... Well, okay, so I'm going to get to that in just a second. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we want to start about the founding and we work well, from there? Okay, kind of. So here's the thing. The, the, the Space Marines, which is the other one, it's like... The, the most important faction in this universe is probably either Adeptus Astartes or Imperial Guard, depending on who you ask. And as far as, if you remember back to our, uh, when we did our general overview, right, there was the Emperor of Mankind, uh, you know, back in the year 30K, uh -huh. roughly, he went on this great crusade to try to take over planets and remake the Empire of Man. And when he started that, he was just doing it with his uh, Space Marine legions. But Space Marines are 
suited for taking planets, and then they have to move on. So after the Empire got to a certain size, they just didn't really have the breath to sit back and do all of the maintenance, essentially. And so the Emperor started then uh, pulling soldiers from the various planets to make a proper non-Space Marine army. And uh, in the beginning, when they were, you know, really just the Imperial Army, they were, uh, for lack of a better term, subordinate to the Astartes, because the Astartes were, like, leading the the fleets. But then stuff happened that's going to be in the books we're reading, so I'm not going to go into details, but after the Horus Heresy, all of the structure had to change. And yeah, they decided that uh, they, they wanted to keep, basically there was a big civil war, and they went, now how can we keep that from happening again? <laughs> and how about we, we make ask it so ourselves that, that every day? Yeah. How about we make it so that you know it's harder for everybody to work together? So first things first, you're, we're taking away your space travel. That's going to be its own thing now. That's the Imperial Navy getting split off from the army, becoming a separate thing. Because if they can't move, it's much harder to attack you. Secondly, you now had your regiments were planet specific, so they could move around, obviously, but like one regiment. Per planet, so you didn't have one person in charge of like entire solar systems of well, of people. Regiments kind of well, regiments you can have multiple planets will produce different things, but planets do specialize in certain things. But the idea with regiments is that an infantry regiment can't have any tanks; they have to be paired with a uh, armored regiment or a mechanized regiment, and vice versa. Because that way, it's like okay, so you've decided to revolt. But you've done it without any tanks because your mechanized regiment's like, <laughs> now nah, we're cool. So if you remember back to our Adeptus Mechanicus episode, that's also why, even though the Adeptus Mechanicus is a little heretical, no one gets on their case because they make all the stuff. So yes. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, uh, one important so thing: post heresy, important details. I think. Yeah, yeah. So one one thing I love to point out, and you see this in a lot of the like the various wikis or. Uh, or extra life kind of pages for Imperial Guard is that if the Space Marines are the scalpel of the Empire, whose job it is to go in do specific jobs and get out, then the Imperial Guard is called the Hammer of the Emperor. It is blunt and just does the job. Yes, they fight in billions. Yeah, the, the the Imperium in the time of the 40K has, like, no one knows exactly how many, not even the bureaucracy of the Imperium. I mean, of course they don't. But there is at over a million planets in the Imperium. And so that means that the Imperial Guard itself numbers in the billions, with, you know, battles having millions of Imperial Guardmen, Guardsmen dying a day. Like, the, the numbers on display here are insane. In, in the Within the galaxy of 40K... The Greenskins may be the most numerous race, like, period, but since they're all fighting each other, it that's a whole other thing. The The largest we are all on the same side is the Imperial Guard. <laughs> yeah, we should probably talk about recruitment real quick. So yeah. how that well, works is every planet has to pay what's called the tithe. And depending on the size of your planet and prosperity, that comes out in resources... Uh, money or manpower and a lot of times it's manpower and the crazy thing is if you are drafted from your planet to go you know fight in your planet's uh, guard regiment and you survive you're probably never going to see your home planet again but i think it's important to note there that because i've been i've been watching a lot of crash course world history lately just for fun and 
when you, you look at like empires and a big thing about what makes empires work is you know, uh, is how they tax what is their tax principle and the imperium of man is taxes the imperial tithe which is funny because there are entire planets where it's like you don't need to send us money or minerals or just send us people that's all we yeah. want from you just people you got enough of them or your planet, you know, produces people that we like, which we'll talk about later. Now, here's a point of contention that Axel and I are going to have out. It is widely accepted amongst the community that the average lifespan of a guardman is 15 hours. Now, hold on. First of all, that ha- that sentence has a lot of vagueness about it. What what yes. he's what he's saying is that once a guardsman becomes a guardsman, finishes training, and is deployed, if the counter starts there and then you take the average of all of them, it comes out to 15 hours. Now, That's insane. Now, problem. One problem. That statistic comes very specifically from, as far as I could tell, because I tried to research it after I saw it in the notes, comes from one book called 15 Hours by Mitchell Scanlon and is specific to that planet, which was an orc-infested planet. Now, I have seen other statistics that say less than 12 hours. I've seen other ones that say, you know, multiple days. The fact is that it is not a a well-documented statistic, is my point. Yes, but I am saying that, by and large, that is considered the general agreed-upon average lifespan of a Garzan because it captures how big in numbers they die in and the suicide charges. That's that's another thing too is that the 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 commanders right the the way the imperial guard generally conducts war is with two strengths one is vast overwhelming numbers and two is blisteringly powerful artillery yeah so yep. so, so right there I want to take a moment to 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 uh, step aside here and say something that Ulrich brought up a bit ago which is the las gun. Your average Imperial Guardsman is going to be dressed in something called flak armor, which is better than what we have today, but not a whole lot better, and a las gun. Now, a las gun is actually a lot better than what we have today. A las gun is a laser rifle that is easy to manufacture, has a rechargeable power pack, never jams, and is powerful enough to blow limbs off of people. And it is considered to be one of the weakest military weapons in the Warhammer universe. (laughs) No, somebody did the math. And you guys would have to look it up because the number didn't stick in my brain. But it means something to engineers of how powerful the LAS gun is. And they're like, this is insane. This is a death ray. This would punch holes in cars. And in 40K, you have to mass fire them at a single target to do any damage. Yeah, that's the thing, is while the last gun is quote-unquote weak, the Imperial Guard has so many soldiers firing at once that it accomplishes its goal. The joke in the community is that the Imperial Guardsmen have angry flashlights. <laughs> so here's a real fun fact about the last gun and how simple it is. The power packs can be recharged by tossing them in the fire. Oh, I didn't Jesus. see that one. <laughs> it is not recommended. It is not recommended, and if you see, and if a tech priest sees you doing this, you will be charged with tech heresy. But it can be done. Oh, that's the thing. Remember how we talked about with the mechanicus, how there's machine spirit, and they have to like pray to their tech. Well, even 
the humble lasgun requires a small amount of that, like maybe a basic prayer, little oil. It's not like a, a space marine bolt gun, which needs like incense and, and stuff. But yeah, still got to do that. <laughs> well, it's, a, it's a less angry machine spirit. Yeah. So one thing you might, uh, well, maybe not. One thing that a boring person like me might immediately ask is, wait a minute, if the Imperial Guard is that big, if, if it's so big, how do they coordinate it? And, and <laughs> big lumbering drunken toddler that it is. <laughs> and that's the thing. <laughs> the the administrative bureaucracy of the Imperial Guard. There's a line somewhere, uh, I, I saw one person said this was it's said that there are as many administrators as the in the Imperial Guard as there are guardsmen. Basically the, the bureaucracy is so big and bloated that while the, the the guard is so huge it takes a long time to mobilize it and get it to go anywhere <laughs> but again like a drunken toddler once it gets going it's kind of hard to stop although this does result in like a drunken toddler a lot of dumb <laughs> mistakes there have been yep. many stories of guardsmen's getting to their designation and there's just no enemies there there's never a battle there some clerical error or they get there and they're years late or, or they get there and they, or they get there and oh, yeah. the, they don't have their tanks with them. Or they weren't supposed to be there in the first place. Yeah, the Imperial Guard can be kind of funny in that way. <laughs> One of the darkest or most interesting bits of uh, 40k lore I've read is that there are kind of generations of guardsmen. Like your parents get are part of a guard regiment. They get married well in the guard regiment. They have you. You grew up. You become a guardsman in that regiment. You marry, and so on and so forth. I mean, that's in the time that right. it takes to have a single for you know an engagement. Yeah. Engagements can go a long time. And, oh, and that artillery I mentioned earlier, that's that's a big thing about, like, how the Imperial Guard conducts wars. They have these you know, these huge guns that can fire, like, miles, and they just crack the crust under, um, under the enemy while a sea of guardsmen blot out the ground. You know, sea of tanks behind them. Uh, the, the sky fills with with like planes <laughs> that you can't even see the sky past them. Like the numbers here are that's I'm just trying to like really, really hammer this home. The Imperial guard is huge and they conduct their war on giant numbers. <laughs> All right. So let's hit pause real quick. Let Chris recollect his brain. That's what and I answer think. any questions he might have. Yeah. What's the first thing that's popping in your head, Chris? No, this is, gee, this is all fantastic. It, it's interesting to me, you know, coming from a book that was very um, Astartes-heavy, even though these guys were mentioned, you know, in passing, and, you know, the, you know, the, they couldn't handle it, so the Astartes come in, you know, or, or whatever else. Um, you know, it's interesting to me because since that story focused on those guys and them getting to places, it really wasn't hammering home to me in my head to think that there were, like, billions of these guys fighting somewhere or they're going to be there after, you know, when the Astartes pull out kind of thing. Part of the, uh, you know, getting the planets in line, you know, or these guys on the on the, uh, compliance, as it were. Um, but are is this like, you know, the however many years, thousands of generations or whatever, are these guys mostly the front line? Is this, unless it's like a difficult enemy, is this just kind yeah. of the cool send them and then we'll get there? The Imperial Guard yeah, pretty much. is considered... The Imperial Guard is considered the first and last line of defense 
of of the Empire. Space Marines, like like I said, they're scalpels. They get sent to very specific right. jobs to do their thing. But the Imperial Guard is everywhere, <laughs> like always. So well. The weird math is, is that one guards, one space marine is equal to a hundred guardsmen. So if you lose a space marine, it's like, damn it, that took a while. You lose a hundred guardsmen, eh, it's just Tuesday. Well, actually, you right. know, what's funny about that? I did, I tried to do the math recently, just in my head, to think like, okay, the by the numbers, it's oh, like, oh, well, we're in uh, math. <laughs> yeah, it's like what one out of every. Uh, I think I was thinking of gray knights, but let's just for the sake of argument, like one out of every ten thousand guardsmen can become a space marine, right? I, again, I think I was thinking of Grey Knights, but let's just stick with this for a moment here. I try to think, okay, let's say you've got 20 uh, legions, right, at, at their height. Each one, let's say, wants to get um, 400 new space marines a year. I was just trying to do, like, a basic, like, how do you replenish your space marines don't die that quickly? And then I was thinking, how many people do you need born every day to achieve that and then I, I continued that train of thought and thought all right how many planets do you need to have assuming current earth day population levels and do you need to be born in order to fill that in and by the end of all my calculations i only came out to like a few thousand planets needed to keep your your space marine legions relatively stocked and that's still with the you know 9999 other people to join the imperial guard uh, like every day so the fact that the Imperial Guard or the Imperium has over a million planets means that recruitment, not an issue. <laughs> yeah. Well, the other thing you remember about Space Marines is you only can recruit within a narrow age window. Guardsmen, you can recruit them at any age. Well, I was I was just illustrating for the sake of you know conversation that the the numbers at display here are easily achievable with the number of planets that are supposedly in the yeah. Imperium's grasp. So. No. Guardsman, that's the meat grinder for you. <laughs> so uh, it's fascinating. I'm just uh, the numbers are uh, staggering. Even even knowing it a little bit, it's just Jesus. I'm just yeah. having uh, I'm having um, uh, brain messing up with me right now. But like thousands of insane sci-fi war movies flying through my head, and this is just a million times larger. Well, what's funny is we, uh, you know, we we watched what Starship Troopers about yes. a month ago, yep. and this is much more well that like. <laughs> what, no, what there's was the, definitely some uh, inspiration, quote what unquote. Was, what was the line in the movie that the 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 pilots fly while pilots the do the flying while the in, mobile infantry does the dying? Yeah, that's Imperial Guard for you. <laughs> yeah, that's a great. Well, that's also great. Like I said, that's the Imperial Guard, Imperial Navy, you know, feeling right there. Yeah. Now we can get into well, what you're planning for this conversation is we're going to get into specific regiments and yes. some specific military forces. So before we get into that, do you have any questions? No, you're, you're painting a very good picture. It's just it's I, uh, you know, spending all that time with the with the Astartes. It's like oh man, like and there was a ton of death among the Astartes. So. Yeah, you know what's funny? There yeah. are there are actually a lot of individuals within the uh, Imperial Guard who also get like really great stories. And whatnot. one of my personal favorites is a guy named Commissar Yarrick, but I'm actually going to talk about him today. We'll just save him for the Orc episode, whatever that cool. happens. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, I don't uh, want to touch on too many uh, Imperial Guard characters. Then kind of there's a lot of good their books. I don't want to ruin their books. Yeah. I'm so should we mention regiments or should we? Oh, go ahead. 
Uh, I think we should do forces first because it's yeah, I was thinking the same them. thing. Because yeah, I'm only gonna, backwards. Yeah, and I'm only going to talk a lot, maybe about one specific named character. But yep. So right. a military so force. Oh, actually, I want to say before, because I don't see it listed here. Um, there is a type of trooper in the Imperial Guard that I think is important to note. That is called a stormtrooper. <laughs> oh, there you go. That is basically take your Imperial Guardsmen, give them slightly better armor. I think it's is it called carapace armor. I want to say. Yeah. And then you give them a backpack that powers their las gun and makes it like three times better, so it can actually punch through power armor. So, they, they kind of fall in with the Tempest, uh, Tempestus Scions, if I don't have them listed, because they're kind of the same stuff there. Oh, okay, fair enough. I actually don't know much about uh, some of these, but okay, I will say, here, here's a really important one. Possibly the most important um, non-guardsman would be a Commissar, which you heard me say a second ago. Yes. So... So a commissar is, if you're seeing a picture of Imperial Guard, they're the ones that have, like, the big hats. <laughs> and their job, basically, is to just be in a group of Imperial Guardsmen and make sure they keep fighting. Keep their morale up. If one of them shows hesitation or cowardice, kill him. That's a commissar's job. <laughs> well, that and if they also start sprouting extra heads or saying heretical things... They just make a really good visualization. In everyone knows stories. everyone knows the commissars. But yeah, basically, uh, <laughs> they take the most loyal Imperial citizens, they put them through a process called the Commissariat that makes them incredible fighters, and then they get assigned to almost every regiment, except one, which we'll talk about later. And yeah, their whole job is just... And they have supreme authority over everyone. They can execute everybody from the commander to the lord commander. Um, they're kind of like Imperial Guard Inquisitors when you think about it. Very right? much, we'll about, yeah. We'll talk about the Inquisition sometime. <laughs> you also have uh, sanctioned battle psychers, which are people that can do mind magic, basically. I don't really know how to describe psychers in 40k except mind wizards. Uh, yeah, witches, wizards, essentially, same deal. Yeah, they're <laughs> a big. They're they're a big deal. They live in excruciating agony because. They're not. You're not getting the best, and they're under kept under you know tight control to make sure they don't turn into demons. Outside of commissars, you have your pretty standard army ranks of you know your colonels and your sergeants and your stuff. So stuff that's different are out there. I have seen these things before, but I actually don't know much about them. So I'm going to leave this to Ulrich. There's a unit called Augrins. Oh, the oh. Augrins. Okay. <laughs> So, as you know, the Imperium is very anti-mutant, anti-Xeno, anti-anything outside the norm. Except for a few sanctioned mutants, which they have gone, it differentiates from humanity enough that, you know, it, they're still human enough and they're purposeful. And the best known one of these are the Augrins, which are humans that, you know, grew up on high-gravity worlds. So they are about the size of space marines, but they're not too bright. They they look they look oddly enough a lot like Chunk from the Goonies. Yes. <laughs> don't you mean sloth? Sorry, sloth. That's yeah. what I meant. I don't know what. I mean, they do look like Chunk too, wearing Hawaiian shirts and curly hair. Oh no, I love yeah. that image. 
So okay. <laughs> no, and they are big, dumb brutes. But also, they're hard as hell to take down, and they have guns called Ripper guns because the caliber is so strong that it would rip the arms off a normal person. And best of all, they have a tendency to just want to charge into combat and beat things to death with their guns. They're in, a, in the Dawn of War game, they're the only melee unit that the Imp Guard gets. <laughs> yeah, and uh, they're typically kept like a lot of times for bodyguards or whatnot. And surprisingly, they were really easy to bring over to the Imperial Cult or the God Emperor because they viewed the God Emperor as their father. <laughs> so they just, again, going back to the drunken toddler, wade into combat to impress Daddy. Oh, that's that's one thing you also got to remember is that, again, because the, the whole Imperial Cult, the Imperium, like, a lot of the Imperial Guard's greatest feats in history are usually chalked up to, like, they were touched by the Emperor and... The Ecclesiarchy's got that propaganda right there. <laughs> so, but big thing in the Guard, obviously. Anyway, sorry, continue. Yeah, no, they're just big, dumb, lumbering slabs of flesh. And most of the time, they're, you know, commander, they have a commander or a commissariat. But occasionally, they will go and they will give one neural implants to make them a bit smarter. And the Ogrens refer to these ones as bonads. Oh, yeah. Which is just a sm one that has a slight understanding of tactics outside of, let's walk over there and hit it with our guns. Kind of like orc humans, when you put it mm -hmm. that way. Well, these are a remnant of when 40k and fantasy were kind of linked, and they're like, hmm, ogres are fun. What would ogres look like in 40k? Oh, that's what they call ogres. Ogrens, okay. And the next one on that is uh, ratlings, which... That's been, they're basically hobbits in 40k. Yeah, they're the opposite of Ogrens, essentially. Yeah, they are widely mistrusted for being thieves and sneaky, but they're incredible snipers because of it. And they all stand about three and a half feet tall, and they are short, and they have furry feet, and they love their great cooks, too. Totally are hobbits, yeah. Yeah, these are some of the things that have been left over from the days when, you know, they reused a lot of molds and models. But then we got to talk about the workhorse of the Imperial Guard, and that is the Lehman Russ battle tank. Oh, <laughs> side note here. Lehman Russ is the name of a Primarch, particularly the Primarch of the Space Wolves, which is one of the coolest but also dangerous Space Marine chapters. And uh, sometime when we talk about um, these things, I, I remind me, Chris, tell you about uh, Bjorn the Fellhanded's stories <laughs> of of Lehman Russ, or at least his fan stories, because it's not official, but it's hilarious stuff. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, uh, Lehman Russ, the tank, is named after the Primarch because he discovered the STC, and the Mechanicum was so grateful they named the tank after him. And the Lehman Russ is literally the main battle tank for the Imperial Guard because... You can equip it with all sorts of crazy, insane guns, from the standard uh, main gun to plasma cannons, which is exactly what it sounds like, to volcano cannons, which is exactly what it sounds like, to Gatling guns, to all sorts of crazy stuff. Usually it's just heavy bolters, though. <laughs> well, you put heavy bolters on the side, but there is a variant that is, has the heavy bolters on the side, which is just, they took a uh, Space Marine bolter and built it bigger. But the main gun <laughs> is two twin... 
uh, machine guns. There's big cannons, small cannons, just all sorts of crazy stuff can be put on these, which is why it is the best workhorse is it's so um, adaptable. And then we'll skip to the next one in line, which uh, Axel yeah, talked about earlier. Photos. Yeah, Axel talked about the basilisk, which uh, you've seen artillery. those old, yeah, you've seen those uh, World War One train guns, right? Yeah, oh yeah. Just imagine if one of those on a rolling tracked platform. Oh. Yes. Yeah, that's that's where a lot of the uh, crust cracking artillery comes from. Our they roll these things up and they just open fire. And here's a fun little bit of real world uh, lore. In the rules, they used to have unlimited range. So people would call up games workshop stores and say, hey, is somebody having a game? Yeah? Okay, tell them they just got hit with, and then they would read out the stat line for the basilisk shot because they had unlimited range. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. So you'd just be sitting there playing your game, and all of a sudden, why am I being bombarded by artillery? Well, because there was a miscommunication, and they believe you're chaos. I'm on their side. Someone in Oregon thinks you're chaos. Well, yes. <laughs> That actually feels pretty in line with uh, how, how the Imp Guard might operate anyway. Because the, the people in charge don't care about the individuals at all. Nope. <laughs> There's more of them where they came from. And then this doesn't have a model anymore, which makes me sad. But it's the Leviathan. It looks like a Dreadnought. The Leviathan? There's a Leviathan Dreadnought. Oh, that's what I'm seeing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's the Leviathan Command Center. Which yeah, looks okay. like it would it belongs in the world of G.I. Joe, let's be honest. I do see what you're talking about there. Yeah, it's like a Oh my like a, god. Yeah, it's just a moving yeah. fortress, essentially. <laughs> With a big ass cannon stuck in the middle of it. And yeah, it contains everything that you know you might need to wage a campaign. And they don't make this model anymore, which makes me sad because it is just the epitome of uh Imperial over the topness. Uh, I don't know. I'd say the the epitome of Imperial Overtopness might be the next thing on this list, which is the Bane Blade, which is My like... favorite model from the line, yes. <laughs> which is tank... It's the tank of tanks. It's the super uber tank. It uh -huh. is like... It's just... It's, it looks like a normal tank, right? So it's hard, pictures don't get across how massively huge this thing is. That, if my understanding is correct... and. Again, I don't know too much about this one, but it can't even really be operated normally by regular people. <laughs> kind of like a oh, Titan. No, no you, if you are piloting a Baneblade, you, you are somebody important because they don't hand these out to anybody. It takes skill. It takes a big, dedicated crew because they're freaking huge and they are strapped oh. to the nine with guns. Well, I know that, like, Commissar Yarrick was awarded a Bane Blade, but his reaction was basically like, that's great, but I can't drive it, so... Yeah, no, you have to... It takes... A lot of times they're reserved for nobles of planet or high-ranking ones, and again, much like the Lehman Russ, they can be equipped with all sorts of crazy things, including a Titan-killing cannon. So, like, a Lehman Russ tank, right? That's probably... And I'm just spitballing here, so I'm totally open to being wrong. But my understanding is that Lehman Russ tanks probably are the size of, like, a mod... Not... Like, twice the size of, like, a modern tank, maybe. Maybe a little smaller than that. But, In that range, yeah. Yeah. But a Bane Blade's, like, two or three times bigger than a Lehman Russ. So... Yeah. Put it in perspective. If you stood next to a Bane Blade... You would not come top. You would your head would not reach the top of the skirting around the tracks. 
Yeah. Wow. And these things are Bainbl- sweet. Yes, they are. And they've all got kick- all the different variants have kickass names like uh, Shadow Swords, Bane Swords, Thunder, somethings. It's they're all different names for what they're equipped with, and they come with all sorts of crazy different additions. But the base one has a big ass battle cannon. Um, big ass double, you know, two heavy bolters, and something we didn't talk about earlier, but las cannons on the side, which takes a las cannon or las gun and amps it up to insane levels of armor punching capability. What I what I love about this and talking about these particular things is again that whole World War One thing because you look at something like a bane blade and you look at a like a table where someone's setting up a game with Imperial Guard, and it looks like someone just took a regular war game, like a World War One game, and amped everything up to 20. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. It, it, it would be so weird to see these things against everything else that I've been reading about and seeing. It's just, it's, it, it's like, this is like one last um, leftover residual from how battle was done on Earth. You know? Yeah, no. They all have great names. Like, there's one called Father Time. Oh, I love it. And they're just giant rolling slabs of death and destruction. And the thing is, there's a lot of, like... Here's an important thing to understand, too. When the Imperial Guard goes to battle, there's usually stuff beyond what we've talked about, but they technically fall into other factions like a lot of times the imperial guard will have like a devis mechanicus join them just because they make all the stuff they'll have with them but they're a separate thing uh you'll see um as, uh, assassin i can't pronounce this officio the assassin officio assassinorum thank you assassinorum officio assassinorum will usually have people there too but that's another thing we'll probably talk about someday so by my point being that we've basically given you at this point the a lot of the primary kind of like models you can get and the things you're going to see in games and stories that are Imperial Guard specific. Other than what we're going to go into next, which are like world specific stuff. Because some regiments from specific worlds get a lot more specific. Yeah, these are planets nice. that the Imperium went, ooh, your people are beneficial because of the way your planet is. So we're going to recruit from them. Now, if you don't mind, I actually want to start from the bottom for one very specific reason. Which is a majority of the pictures that you're seeing... Uh, when you Google Imperial Guard, are a very specific type of Imperial Guardsman called a Cadian Shock Trooper. That's only because Cadia, which was a planet in the Imperium that was unfortunately placed very near a a dangerous area of space, uh, but its largest export was Imperial Guardsman, and it had, like, the largest export of Imperial Guardsmen of any planet. So... Mm -hmm. So Cadian Shock Troopers became kind of like the gold standard for what an Imperial Guardsman is. That's where, like, the olive color of their armor comes from. And they, uh, as a as a unit, I should say, or as a, a force, they had a lot of experience with dealing with chaos. You know, they didn't know necessarily what that was called, but again, because of where Cadia existed. That's a whole other story that I want to get into. Um, and the only last thing I want to say about Cadia real quick before we go on is that I saw this sentence many times while trying to do some research, but the planet broke before the guard did. Yeah, no, that, that literally is true. And it's something 
I want to talk about, but it's a bit spoilery for the current book series we're in right now. So we will touch on that one later. Yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to give Cadia their proper due because they're a, a big deal in the guard. <laughs> they are the bog standard Marine you're going to see. They're the only model series that Games Workshop still produces guard regiments for, unfortunately. What's funny, though, is that didn't used to be the case. Apparently, nope. and again, I wasn't into this at the time, but when the Imperial Guard was like early on in like the first few editions, the primary models were Katachan jungle fighters. Which still exists, they, but they used to be like the main thing, and they're not anymore. Yeah, no, they used to produce all of almost all these lines listed. All these uh, regiments used to be produced, and then they stopped doing it for just doing Katachan and Cadia, and that makes me sad. But in the interest of time, the Katachan Jungle Fighters. This is the regiment that doesn't get commissars because the commissars keep disappearing, <laughs> <laughs> just like uh, drummers from um, Led Zeppelin. And- Spinal Tap and uh, Jeez. <laughs> oh. so and, manage, very, and managers for the NWH. Very yeah. simple. You don't, you don't have to Google anything. I'm going to put the image of Catch and Jungle Fighters in your head easily. They're all Rambo, but more. Ooh. Yeah. Their most uh, favorite, famous character is named Sly Marbo, which is just <laughs> Sylvester Sloan's nickname and an anagram of Rambo. Yep. Yeah, but literally the, the story of the Catachan Jungle Fighters is they come from a planet, a jungle planet, that is so aggressively hostile, like everything on that planet is trying to kill you, that they say that there is no horror in the galaxy that is worse than a single night on Catachan. Like, Jesus. It's so bad that even Astartes generally try to avoid it. Not like they couldn't handle it, because Astartes can handle everything, but it's... Too much of a hassle. <laughs> well, it's classified as a death world, which is an imperial world that means that it wants to kill you. Uh, this planet fought off a chaos invasion on its own. The planet. The planet of Cadia. Like a warp rift opened, demons came spilling out, and by the time the Space Marines got there, like, no, it's it's done. We we got rid of them a week ago. <laughs> And if you look at all their pictures, I, I like I'm not joking. They're all like these hugely buff, like Rambo Part Two looking guys, where they got like this the sweaty muscles and like the bandana ripped and these giant machetes and stuff. It's yeah, and they all have crazy names because you when you join a Catachan regiment, you start with your name and then you get a uh, regiment name, which is a cool nickname like Sly Marbo or you know Iron Jaw Raker or any other number. Lucky Strike, something or other. And before we move on, this this planet is home to the universe's deadliest creature, simply known as the Catachan Barking Toad. <laughs> I, I, I didn't see that one in my research. What is that? Oh, Don't the Catachan Barking Toad. Barking Toad. Do not lick the Catachan Barking Toad. No, the Catachan Barking Toad is a toad that when it, it, you come upon it, explodes releasing a toxin that reduces everything around it in like a ridiculous range i don't remember what the exact range is to a toxic sludge where nothing will ever grow again including the toad itself love it they say if you hear one it's too late you're already dead All right, the next the next one on the list is one that I didn't actually have time to like look too much into, but I love the name of is Valhallen Ice Warriors. <laughs> uh basically their planet got 
pushed out of orbit and is now a frozen death rock and it results in them being the best warriors to fight on a frozen planet imaginable basically a bunch of siberian dudes yeah i All see right, them now let's take a moment here <laughs> uh i want to get pick your brain a bit chris like what's what's going through your brain now at this point um, as far as the Valhalla Ice Warrior, or no, just, just mean in general. general, just in general, I I, I love it because it's it's so um, diverse and different in comparison to what we've been through so far. Even though I know that you know Astartes, you know, and things like that are picked from these groups, it's just so much more, uh, you know, almost standard um, war game type stuff. And it's it's I'm I'm having a fun time. It, it's very jarring in comparison <laughs> yeah well, that's, no, that's what we thought this was a good shift from what we've been talking about yeah just wait till we get to the tile that's going to be a diff a very different kind of jarring oh man shift. that's going to be so, a weird one <laughs> anyway point is there's always there's something for everyone in warhammer but let's let's move on uh to the uh Talern desert raiders Talern, yes Talern. sorry i i don't know them <laughs> so at one point, their planet was a beautiful agri-world, and then they had the biggest tank fight in galaxy's history, and it reduced it to a barren wasteland. So they became real good at two things. One, fighting in tanks, and two, being incredible horsemen that can set ambushes you wouldn't believe. And when I say horsemen, yes, they're all... I forgot what they're called because they don't make the models anymore, but the Imperial Guard used to have... Uh, horsemen. They would ride up with exploding lances and guns and crazy stuff. <laughs> nice. I have a hard time imagining a horse putting up with that. But then again, horses put up with a lot of war on our planet, so... Well, they use horse as a general term for whatever is four-legged and looks the most like a horse on the planet. Ah, fair enough. Yeah. They are, you know, desert fighters. Their whole planet is a desert wasteland, and they're really good at fighting in the deserts and setting ambushes. All right. In the interest uh, of Leo's keep this moving, what's next? Uh, the next is the Elysian Drop Troopers, which, as the name suggests, they fight entirely through... Uh, they're not really... They're grav shoots, which is just fancy Nate word for space parachute. Uh all their equipment gets dropped in, including their... Well, yeah. they don't have tanks. They don't have tanks because the tank can't be dropped out of the back of a Valkyrie, which is the name of the main uh, troop transport for the Imperial Guard. So everything is done, is light and broken down. They use lots of... They're called a Tarox, but it's basically a big, beefy, armored jeep. And they are masters of the hit-and-run... And lightning attacks. Yeah, these guys are awesome. Yeah. Oh, we didn't mention sentinels, which are basically uh, AT-ATs or no yep. ATSTs. Yeah, right? I see them ATSD. as well. Yeah, yeah. No, they use a lot of those. Basically, it's a lot of light stuff that they can, you know, drop in and uh, drop out. Okay. So Death Corps Creek, which is the first most popular. Well, Imperial I was about to say, if you if you look at Imperial Guard forums, the argument I found in my limited experience tends to be that people say either the Cadian Shock Troopers or the Death Corps Krieg are the quote unquote best, and they could get contentious. I'm not putting a stake yeah. in that myself, but 
but that's just what it seems like. <laughs> this is hysterical. Bombarded a city for five years, the city surrendered, and then they just continued. Yep. So what well, happened the- with uh, Krieg is at one point in their history, their city elders decided to rebel against the emperor, and it led to a decades-long civil war that reduced the planet to a toxic wasteland because then they started nuking each other. And in order to, uh, you know, pay penance for their sins, they believe they have to die for the emperor in mass numbers. So much so to the point that a portion of their population is vat grown in cloning tubes. Oh. <laughs> yeah. All right. They are modeled very heavily after uh, World War One Germany in their helmet design and everything, which is what, one of the reasons people like them. But also because they are so over the top. They do not accept surrender. If you have wronged the Emperor, they will not stop. Are we going to be okay with that song in the background? I don't know. I wasn't what was, sure what was going on, but I was enjoying it. Alright, I just <laughs> want to make sure we can get anyone in trouble. So, <laughs> Anyway, yeah, the Death Corps Creek look like Freaking yeah, no, uh, they are crazy. Are you my mummy, people? So, <laughs> yeah, so well, they have to wear gas masks at all times because the planet is so the atmosphere of the planet is so toxic and unbreathable. They, they just, you know, they live in it. They're also known for digging incredible siege works because, like I like uh, Chris mentioned, bombed a city for five years, city surrendered unconditionally, continued to bomb it for another five years. All right, next we have the Armageddon Steel Legion. I'm gonna let you talk about this one. I, I don't know them very well, <laughs> so oh. I know that I know the oh. next group a lot, but not this group. Okay, so the Armageddon Steel Legion is coming from the planet Armageddon, which is famous. Oh, sorry, I know Armageddon, but all the stuff I know about Armageddon comes from the orc side. Sorry, oh, oh okay. these guys. So yeah, Armageddon wow. is a very unfortunate planet in that it has suffered two orc was and a one of them by the someone who i will tell you about later so yes and another one was a full-on chaos invasion led by a demon primarch of corn who will remain nameless for this time and yeah not a great planet to live on they specialize largely in tank warfare and mainly mechanized warfare because again they're constantly under attack so you kind of need to be but also, if I remember correctly, they're also really good at uh, anti-siege because there's, you know, Armageddon's a hive world, and they're very good at defending their hive cities. Yes. No, they're kind of a lot of uh, mechanized, a lot of tanks. Yes, a lot. Of, they're known for you know being able to keep their tanks running despite everything, because again, that planet is besieged every other week by some horrible force. <laughs> And the, the last group we have here, which I uh, – is the Mordant Acid Dogs. Now, Mordant is a planet that is a, a mining planet where that, you know, they, they – its whole purpose for the Imperium is to mine stuff out of it. But what they're mining out of it is bacteria that basically can break down matter. So they use that bacteria to make acid, and then they ship that acid to, you know, forge worlds to, you know, make stuff for it. But because it's a mine world – there's a couple interesting things about it, which is that the, almost the entire population lives underground, and also it's basically run by these mining clans that are pretty much just mafias. So it's really like 
criminal underworld type of planet. So the soldiers that come from Mordant, who uh, get the name Acid Dogs, they, first of all, tend to have really poor day sight, but they can see really well in the dark. But they're also used to, like, just taking whatever they can and working with it. So more than almost uh, any other Imperial regiment, they're really good at working with their gear and working with other regiments' gear and adapting on the fly. Yeah, I see a lot of that in these pictures. It's crazy. Yeah, and the only the the only reason I know about them because again I'm I'm still kind of new to all uh, to the Imperial Guard is because they have a particular person who is pretty famous in them called uh, Colonel Bane who has this whole story about how basically him and his regiment took on a a chaos invasion. Uh, including like chaos space marines and actually won like he didn't make it out but wow it's like just insane. him and his regiment but yeah they're they're pretty awesome so yeah and i mean there's a there's a couple other regiments we there's we, we a lot over. of other regiments but <laughs> there's a couple of notable ones but those are the big ones well those are the ones i felt were the most that have the most easily identified military stylings. I mean, there's, there's a bunch. Every, yeah, so, thoughts, feelings, emotions. Because we've basically got through the extent of what we were planning to cover in this. Yeah, uh, no, that, essence, so. So, so my, my thoughts are just, I'm learning more, and I didn't, I, my brain was having a, such a time wrapping around the, you know, deep dive that that first book dumped me into that uh you know i'm getting used to okay we've got these astartes we've got the remembrancers we've got you know these guys we learn of and all these regiments and it's like man it it really is overwhelming and cool to think about and and i say this and i don't mean this um to undermine this more normal seeming militarized factions i wasn't even thinking of yet so this is super cool yeah, I think that's, that's a big part of the appeal with to people who exactly. play in guard primarily. So is they they do want the you know the normal one man you know fighting and dying for his planet with his little gun that's not gonna do anything but give an arc a bad sunburn. Right. They that's actually uh, yeah on the tabletop as far as I know they're they're functionally similar to the orcs in that regard in that they uh, they don't hit very often. But you have a lot of them, so they hit more sworn. often than orcs. But more they often die. Than orcs, but same principle. They yeah. die in droves, but that's okay. We didn't even talk about conscripts, which yeah, that's a thing. Or death, or death regiments, or penitent legions, or there, there's there's a lot more to cover 40k. But that's not the point of these. These are just to give you a taste and then send you on your way. And I exactly. think exactly. Based on what you're uh, what you're saying, it sounds like that inner her exposing you to essentially the regular army guys. It's like, hey, I know this is a big crazy sci-fi universe, but here's just military people. They exist too, and and, and I like it because, <laughs> but not only do they exist, but they're all different and varied and diverse, and it's not just you know standard. Every grunt is the same grunt. Like you could go into one uh, regiment. And just have, you know, it, it it just just that tiny little bit that we've given there is it's like wow that's fascinatingly deep for 
just a bunch of guys from a mining planet, you know? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's why I was saying this. There are plenty of, usually commissars but, uh, get, like, full stories themselves because they have that slightly elevated position. That's why I said, like, my favorite Imperial Guardsman is Commissar Yarrick, but that's because he has a direct part to play in my favorite named character story, period, which is an orc. So, <laughs> the little unfair. But, but yeah, so, like, is that same kind of thing we talked about before in the book series, how the space Marines are commonly misconstrued as being just, you know, copy paste and they're not, they are all are very human and very individualistic. And the Imperial guard like paradoxically is too, because, and I say paradoxically because the whole point of how they wage war is that there are so many billions and billions of them the individual doesn't matter, but you can still easily find in, in codexes and lore, like accounts of individual guardsmen, you know, talking about their experiences and how, what they're going through. I remember recently reading one of uh, an Imperial guardswoman, just uh, describing her account of seeing a Titan land and like, this is one of those things where it's like, this is just a regular person and then a like Pacific Rim mech. And how does the regular right. person see that? Now, so, here's here's a question about um, you know regular people and factions. Do these guys take oaths of moment? No, no, no. That's a space no. marine specific thing. Space marine only. I just I wanted to ask. It just popped into my head. You know, they um, do have battle priests though. Okay. Which you know that's a that's a priestly ecclesiarchy that wield chain swords and march with <laughs> regiments, yelling furious oaths of uh, well. Not nice words. I can imagine. Well, it's actually, um, it's actually one of the main things Colonel Bane did when he was taking on that chaos thing. It was like, all right, I'm putting a, a, a battle priest in every company to help deal with this crazy stuff I'm, I'm handling. And then you can read <laughs> stories of the battle priest just chopping things up with their, bla- with their chain blades. <laughs> so, nice. Yes. Guard is crazy. Anyway, I think... Uh, in the interest of time, right? That's the kind of cap here. And if you have any other further things, like we'll, the Imperium's always there, so we can always come back and talk about more stuff. But yeah, no, we're, any- we're we're going to keep doing these episodes because this is fun. All right, definitely. Well, so that that was the Astra Militarum, everyone, um, as discussed by me and my Shield brothers in the Geeks with Shields, Axel and Ulrich, guys. Tell um tell everyone where they can find you if they don't already know yet. Um, we can be found on Facebook and Twitter at Geeks with Shields, as well as most of the major podcasting platforms at Geeks with Shields. We don't just talk about 40k. We talk about all sorts of geeky, nerdy things. But uh, we like talking about 40k. We like coming on and talking about it with Chris because he has to deal with all the angry comments when I say things wrong or when I don't mention people's favorite faction. Yeah, I'm sure that I'll get a lot for not knowing as much about the various Imperial Guards as I regiments as I should. But we look for any excuse we can't talk about 40k because it's fun. But yeah, we talk about a bunch of stuff. But if you're interested specifically in 40k content, uh, then our... We have a thing we mentioned at the beginning of this, this recording called the Horse Heresy Book Club, where we're reading through the Horse Heresy series. It's uh, Patreon exclusive, but yeah, you can find us on Patreon as well, where like a dollar a month would get you access to all our stuff. So, Oh, and also, you know, by, by the time this has come out, this will be more than new. It'll be less new news, but you guys just had a big announcement 
that was somewhat my fault. Speaking of uh, other things that um, you guys do that are not Warhammer oh, related. Oh yeah, the road to Bayham. Oh, you, I didn't know that was announced. So, yeah. <laughs> again, uh, this is a Patreon thing, but we are currently beginning to go on a project where, uh, because our Patreon numbers got high enough, we're going to watch most, if not all, of the films of Michael Bay so that we can then do a recording figuring out what is the most quintessential Michael Bay movie. That's going to be a long trip. That's a lot of movies, and they're not very good. We love you guys. Thank you for supporting us, but, oh. Yeah, this is going to be the first painful director smackdown for me. That's a lot of Transformers. Spielberg was a joy. Kevin Smith, I think I turned you guys around enough. Axel didn't need as much, but at least we got through those without outwardly hating each other by the end. But this this Bayhem thing, man, I... I have not seen anything past the third Transformers movie. And just having to watch two more of those is not good for me. Well, we're going to try. We decided we're going to try to make each one a a Patreon movie night so that at least we don't have to suffer through it alone. So you guys get to suffer with us and we all crack jokes. Now, with that in mind, for people that haven't seen Pain and Gain, that's a friggin' joy. (laughs) That's going to be fun. I love I, that movie. I haven't seen it, so looking forward oh, to that at least. It's a blast. It 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 he sh- it, it's it's quintess it, it like when you watch The Rock and you go, okay, what's the next movie you're gonna make, Michael Bay? Pain and Gain should just be the next one. It's just right. a big, dumb, fun, stupid movie, and I <laughs> yeah, love we're gonna the hell out sprinkle of it. the good ones in there to break up the bad ones, but like we agreed, we will not be watching all the Transformers movies in a row. I don't oh, think our sanity can't handle that. So bad. No, I'm not doing anyway, that to myself. Back to back to other positive things. Thank you, Chris, for having us. I had a, a wonderful time. I think Ulrich did too, but I don't speak for him. So <laughs> any excuse to talk for DK. Any excuse to talk to you, but exactly guys thank you so much and it's it's been a rough day so i'm gonna go pass out thank you guys for shooting the shit with chippa and thank you all for listening and we'll talk to you soon